0: Reading Short and Deep Hi, I'm Jesse And I'm Eric And today we're reading Short and Deep Twas the Night Before Christmas or A uh, Visit from St. Nick or, as it was originally published uh, An account of a visit from St. Nick uh, First published in a local newspaper in New York, uh, Troy, New York, called The Sentinel, anonymously. There's some very uninteresting, I think, um, controversy as to who actually wrote it, but really it's Clement Clark Moore, as far as anybody can tell. Um, The evidence is very strong, I think. Basically, uh, it's published in an anthology with his name attached, and then later on he puts out a collection of his poems and it includes this one so it, if it weren't such a famous poem i don't think anybody would find that controversial at all there is a family that claims that their father <laughs> wrote it but that's it's almost two centuries ago and uh, it's way out of public domain you know it's, it's well into public domain so I, I don't i don't find that part of the story very interesting i do think that this poem is fascinating for It's cultural influence, but I also think it might be overstated
1: as being a cultural influencer. I I want to hear your thoughts about that, um, about those things. Uh, Do think, though, that it's worth noting that it is, in fact, and almost from its initial publication, a a poem that was widely and wildly popular. And since its original publication was in 1823 and its publication with Moore's name attached is 1837, uh, while as far as I'm concerned, it's fine to think of this as having been written by Clement Clark Moore, it doesn't seem to me that it's obvious that he didn't try to steal credit because, let's face it, 14 years with a thing hanging around anonymous and everybody loves it you know even even a, a man who presumably is a figure of rectitude just might put his name on it but honestly though i don't think that's true i think it's more also but that 14 year separation is worth noting in my mind
0: yeah um I, i'm getting a lot of my knowledge of this poem and and actually all about uh, the origins of of Santa Claus and Christmas from Mr. Jim Moon's a series called "In Search of Santa Claus" or "In Search of Santa," which is a long-running uh, audio on dra- audio investigation, not audio drama, uh, into the origins of Santa Claus. He adds to it every year. It's in his Hypnogoria podcast, um, and he actually makes a very strong case that this poem is 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 not so influential as it is. Um, loved and beloved because it's it's concretizing things that people are actually doing already and beliefs that people actually already held um, so it, if you if we read the poem there are a number of things that stand out as very obviously very Christmassy today um, and people sometimes make the case that this is the origin of, of those practices and beliefs about Santa Claus um, but it might be the other way around, rather that he's writing down some of the things that that people were practicing, and there's good evidence for that.
1: Um, uh, in fact, I've stumbled on those things too that this is as much a crystallization as yes. is as it is an instigation of some of these cultural features. But having said that, um how about if uh, we read the poem and then when we've gotten it or, or do you want to? Make those comments along the way.
0: No, I think we I should read read through it and then uh, and then point to the the um the points as we as
1: we think of them after. Then I'll read it if you don't mind, Absolutely. and then you can uh read along. take take <laughs> and and make note. I'm particularly concerned with the particular volume that you've posted for us, but we'll get back to discussing the illustrations too. I think after we've read the poem. It's listed on the title page as <clears throat> Twas the Night Before Christmas. And then it says A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement C. Moore with pictures by Jesse Wilcox Smith. A nice saccharine introduction about how this thing was concocted. Twas the Night Before Christmas. There's an interior title page showing a little girl praying. Mm-hmm. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in the hope that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads and Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap." With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all." As dry leaves that fall that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas, too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow.
0: Wonderful, delightful poem, and you can see why it became so popular. Um, you said something before um, that I think might not be hundred percent true. and that is how popular it was early on. it It was only published in a local newspaper. It took a few years before it became published in a in other newspapers. and then a, a collection several years later, it sort of started snowballing. And by the huh. by the by the time of the mid uh, 18 18 uh, 1850s approximately, um, you're getting illustrated book versions and pamphlets. And by the time we get to the version we've got, which is from 1912, um, there are dozens of versions and published in other countries, including Canada and around the world. It is it is it is crystallized. Um, some elements that we think are highly associated with Christmas, and it's delightful, but the most fascinating thing Mr. Jim Moon found out when he went through it um, is that it really adds nothing to to the myth of Santa Claus except for the names of the reindeer. Everything else is already in existence.
1: But I, I and I want you to tick those off but I I do need to throw a, a fact a, a mystery fact for me into your uh, your comment about popularity the this particular book that we have and that you've put up for us to read um, is in fact as you say 1912 um, wasn't that it 1912 mm-hmm, yep. um, it's illustrated by Jesse Wilcox uh by Jesse Wilcox Smith. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesse Wilcox Smith was, in fact, a a pioneering um, illustrator. Uh, she's born in 1863, so clearly that was well after the 1837 anthology that has this poem in it by Clement Clark Moore. But I do note that this very important illustrator founded a uh, women's art school and this uh, excuse me. She went to a women's art school, went to a women's art school and this art school was renamed the Moore College of Art and Design in 1832 after a bequest from a man named Moore. Now, that was five years before the anthology that has Clement Moore's name um, on a collection of poems with this poem, 1832. I just um, don't know whether or not that Moore had anything to do with our Moore and whether or not there's deeper, longer involvement with Moore in getting this poem to the public. Than we, than we know. So I'm just saying these are mm-hmm. facts. They know how they connect, but they they do suggest the possibility of popularity and something else going back way back when.
0: Yeah, well, Moore was, he actually was well-known. He was a professor, um, and he is like the first uh, American to bring and translate Hebrew into into the popular consciousness in the United States. So, he 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 was he, you know, he wasn't a famous guy, but he was he was well known for his other writings and poems. Um but not this particular like by by I it could be that his family was
1: was pretty well to do. Um His family was incredibly well to do.
0: Yeah, and that, that there's an association there. Um but he I think some people think that he was embarrassed about this being his, his claim to fame, because it is it is a delightful poem, but it's not super scholarly. It's not, you know, if you're a, a high-level professor and your most famous thing is, you know, a, a, a Christmas poem, you might be a little embarrassed. Think of, um, uh, uh, there's a book that's very similarly illustrated to this and another one, which we may talk about, um, that I really was delighted with when I got it. Um, called The Father Christmas Letters. This is um, by J.R.R. R. Tolkien, and it was not designed for publication. It was designed for entertaining his children. Um, and it's letters from Chris, uh, Father Christmas, a.k.a. Santa Claus, to his, his children, and he would write them every year, and then eventually they, they packaged them up and made a book out of it. Um, If that was Tolkien's claim to fame when he he he's so impressed with his Silmarillion and Lord of the Rings and all his translations of Beowulf, you know, he might be a little embarrassed
1: about that. It's it's entirely plausible, especially since the uh, the institution at which Clement Clark Moore was a professor was an institution that he founded and endowed. He didn't found it, but he endowed it. and then they hired him as a professor yeah. so um clearly he wanted to be seen as a significant scholar by the way as far as that hebrew goes i happen to have uh, an 18th century um rebus bible published in the united states that um has hebrew in it uh i think uh, Moore's claim, as far as Hebrew goes, is not that he was the first one to make it available. In fact, they'd been teaching it at Harvard since Harvard was founded in uh, 1636. Uh, he made the first American dictionary of Hebrew.
0: Yes, there we go. Yeah, so he 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 uh, had a whole life outside of this poem. But this did. poem has a much bigger life than he has today.
1: So tell us about it, Jesse. I'm dying to hear all of those uh, cultural things that uh, that more presumably crystallized into this poem.
0: Okay, so there's there's a, a great number of them, and and I think it I would have liked liked to have got to that Troy version, uh, although I, I really like the version I put up and everybody can look at with its gorgeous illustrations. It actually has um, a, a fairly faithful representation of what's actually going on in the poem. Uh, But why don't we start in the place of the first thing that's absent, which is the Christmas tree. Although our St. Nick carries a bag full of toys, he's not placing them under a Christmas tree because Christmas trees are not yet a part of the Christmas tradition in England or in Canada or in, in the United States. That's a German tradition, and it eventually comes in in the late 19th century, early 20th century, and now you know it's it's always thought of, but it, it's, it's it's particularly absent from this poem. What's not absent are stockings, and it's clear that the the presence. I think, are going in the stockings. And maybe even sugar plums. (laughs) The candies that might be going in the stockings that are hung by the chimney with care. So we've got that. That is not invented in this poem. It's just reflecting what's going on in in, uh, practice in homes at Christmas in North America. Um, We've also got Santa Claus, except he's never named Santa Claus here, Um, He's called St. Nick, and St. Nick is associated with Santa Claus, but um, the reindeer, that's not original with uh, Clement Clark Moore's poem, only the name, only the names. And I want to point out that uh, in our version, it's uh, now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. Um, Later versions that aren't as careful, what do they do? They change it, change it to Don Donner, right? And I've found a lot of versions just are copying and pasting and losing materials as people, I guess, transcribe it from book to book. So another one, the one of the ones I found yesterday, um, when out on the roof there w- arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I f- flew like a flash, tore open the shutter, and threw up the sash. How is he going to see what's going on on the roof?
1: Beats well, me. I was wondering the same it's thing. Completely
0: wrong, right? It's of course it's not on the roof. It's on the lawn, and that's how it says it in our version, an early enough version that it's retaining the, the logical place where it would be. Um, they land on the lawn, and then he watches them, and then they go up to the roof, but they don't go up um, in a, uh, you know a I don't know an airplane-like flight. How do they move? They move like
1: at uh, least driven by a hurricane.
0: Right, as dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the house top, the courser's they flew with the sleigh full of toys and Saint Nicholas too. Um, they fly like leaves, as in I I sort of see circles, you know as they as they spin through the air in sort of a random path, almost. He's almost not in control, but how does this all make sense? He's tiny. <laughs> That's <laughs> something that absolutely doesn't follow from today, right? And these are the kinds of questions I had uh, to my grandparents when they're indoctrinating me into this mystery religion of Santa Claus, you know, you need to write down your note to Santa Claus, and you leave out a glass of milk and a cookie on a plate, and then he'll be satisfied. And if you've been good and you, you don't make too much noise, boy, you're gonna get some nice presents because he's a nice guy.
1: Um, well, I think if we're going to concern ourselves with the logic of Santa Claus, we have to realize that for a guy to visit, let us say, two billion children in the course of one evening. He's probably going to have to drink all that milk and all of those cookies and store up the energy for the year to succeed. Um, logic has never really been a big thing here.
0: I I love I love that that's true and and even in the th- that is also in here showing it's it's not it's not actually in effect right that he isn't visiting all those children. How do we know? Is because. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. But that's only after he came down the chimney, right? And he can come down the chimney because he's an elf. He's tiny. He can fit down the flue. But when he go he, when he was on the lawn, he was not tarnished. So if he was going to every house, you know, with good little boys and girls in it, he would be tarnished almost the entire journey.
1: Unless, oh, well, yeah, I, mean, just, I mean, if we really want to speak about this logically, we can, we could just say, and since he's flying so fast from one house to the other, <laughs> the soot comes off him. I mean, I'm that's my point. Is this isn't play. logic here is terrible. That's
0: uh, that's exactly my point. This isn't this isn't a story for adults. No, this is a religion that only children can can be a members of and only if they don't talk to other older children it's it's like a household religion right you've got you've got the this mystery story of how the presents appear and i love that the way this story is told it's a father telling a story right he says, "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children, that's you children, were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama, it's not the mother, right? It's your Mama, in her kerchief. And I, in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. So this story, the way it's being told, could be either before Christmas or after Christmas, explaining how Santa Claus came, or in this case, Saint Nick came, and delivered the wonderful toys that you found in your stocking. Right? I was awake. I saw it. Here's what I saw. And I think that's part of the magic of this poem, is that it, it's not a... A story for adults to sit around and discuss the, the, you know, the speed at <laughs> which Santa Claus would need, or the amount of uh, kilojoules of energy he would need, or I guess megajoules of energy he would need, or to, yeah, or how many wolf, uh, no wolves, how many elves are in his workshop. This is a, is a, a fable that can only be effective when you're a child, and I think it's wonderful.
1: Well, I, I think it's it's wonderful too. and uh, and, and I'm not even a Christian. Um, however, uh, perhaps because I'm not a Christian, I can't help but notice that there are loads of fables that people believe in all the time, and I think and and adults. Mm-hmm. and I think how can they believe in those things? Uh, how can you really believe that, you know, Three is one and virgins are waiting for you in heaven. And, um, you know, I I mean, just, (laughs) okay. You know that you want to believe that go ahead and believe it. I think for me, um, the fact that the logic doesn't hold up, uh, only makes this a poem that shares much with, um, desirable fantasies, but the way that it's told a father in a way telling this to the children um, is a way of authorizing people in this case children to have a certain belief and the belief here is homely I, i find it important that it's wordless that is to say the elf says nothing except happy christmas at the end um to all a good night, that is, go back to sleep. Uh, The words don't pass. Uh, There is something magical that the father is authorizing to the children. After all, if I heard a clatter on the lawn and the next thing I knew, someone had, no matter how small, had come down through my chimney and was standing in my living room, I don't think I would be thinking, ooh, someone new, who's that? But in fact, all that this character needs to do is twinkle his eye and suddenly the father knew. So the father is mediating between whatever spiritual benefactor St. Nicholas is supposed to be and the children. And it's that fact of mediation that makes it so clear to me that it's meant for a child because the mediation here is done by I, who is clearly the husband of mama. um, And To call oneself father and mother means you're talking to the children, as opposed, say, to the Bible, Mm -hmm. in which we get someone talking. But he says, my father says this, right? And he is one of us. So when Jesus is speaking in direct quotation in the Gospels, he is not talking to children. He's talking to adults. But in both these cases, it represents the carrying of a message from a higher older magical authority into our world this poem means specifically and here i agree with you fully to make that message appealing and authorized for children
0: yeah there's a i, I will point out i i also got the sense that that uh, st nick here was dumb as in doesn't say anything he does a a to what uh, a wink, a, a wink, and a nod at one point, um, which seems to indicate he's trying to be quiet or something. But and actually, out of the lawn, he does yeah. he does name he shouts and calls by name his his uh, reindeer. I guess they but, landed uh, in the wrong
1: spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, but I, but he doesn't he doesn't say anything once he's in the acknowledged right. in the home of the man.
0: That's right. It, it's all it's all. Um, Quiet, And he does this wonderful thing with his, um, with his nose, which I want to talk about. But uh, I want to read the paragraph or the stanza where I think this is actually a concession to childhood fears and also to adult reasonableness about what children should fear. It says, He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. Okay, why is he laughing just in spite of himself? A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know. I had nothing to dread. Yeah, if a guy came into your house through the chimney, you might be upset. (laughs) You might be upset that your house is under invasion, right? And I think that there might be something uh, going on in a very similar kind of movement through the sky with a hunt. Right, the wild hunt is uh, sort of a horror version of Santa Claus and his reindeer flying through the sky. Um, if he, you see him and he calls to you, you're you either join the hunt or you become a uh, a victim of the hunt. Um, so, if this was a fear, you know, watch out for flying. Uh, Guys on being pulled by uh, wolves or animals in the sky. You don't need to worry, children. This is a friendly elf. Um, so <laughs> it alleviates that fear, which normally we wouldn't even think of as a fear, but I guess at this time it's possible to consider it as such.
1: Yeah, I, it it is definitely meant for kids, and the illustrations. Uh... There have been, as you say, so many different versions of this story uh, with words changed here and there, different illustrations, translations as well. Um, I like the one that you've Mm -hmm. put up for us, Jesse. It has so many lovely details, for example, in the the page, in the illustration facing um, the part that you just quoted for us about uh, somehow the father being magically uh, tamed by the wink of the elf I still you know I I still think if an intruder smiled at me and said no no don't worry I'm just yeah you know I'd still be dubious but but here no because the elf is a representative of a higher power and you look at the illustration next to it there's a clock on the mantelpiece, and it says 12 thir- 1227. Mm-hmm. So he's he's there just past midnight. We can look at what's being stuck into the stockings. In fact, in the very center of the line of stockings that are attached to the mantel, um, there is sticking out a toy soldier with an American flag. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the conjunction... Of religion, this story, Christianity in particular, this story, and America is everywhere in this book. Uh, And I can see why uh, people, particularly uh, Christian immigrants to the United States, might think this will make a splendid gift Mm -hmm. for our children. Mm -hmm. And so, as a benefit from a parent to a child in a story about, a parent authorizing benefits to a child, it rolls on and rolls on and rolls on.
0: It's a wonderful story.
1: That's why there's always more to say.
0: And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for reading short and deep.